0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Enger. And today I have the special privilege of another podcaster out there. Um, Celeste Rains Turk is here today. And um, I just want to most of you probably have listened to her podcast, but I want to give you a brief um, kind of like bio about her So she is an MPC bikini competitor, and she is the host of Confessions of a Bikini Pro podcast, and she specializes in helping competitors make peace with food, their body, and their goals using a combination of psychology, personal development, mindfulness, and her signature, and it's PTG, so that's Peace Through Growth Process. Um, Throughout her time, she earned her through her time earning her bachelor's degree in psychology she focused her research um, around um, reports and studies on eating disorders body image self-concept and mindfulness and personal growth Um, while studying she became the uh, well sought after coach in personal development world and went on to write a number one bestseller and this is a help a self-help book um, that I personally ordered and I'm excited to, um, read soon. (laughs) It's called believe your way to badass. And she's just passionate about helping other competitors. Um, and this is, you know, um, if you have been listening that the mission of this podcast is just to help others in the sport of bodybuilding and to share our fails and, um, try to, Shed some insight uh, through tips and tricks on how to p- live the prep life and how to navigate through it. And um, I'm super excited to have her on because um, she really focuses on inner work and developing a healthy mindset and really developing that healthy relationship with food and um, just really empowering competitors to utilize these tools throughout their journey of the prep life. And so we're going to dive into topics today um, about how to deal with these types of issues during a contest prep, but also post show, which I know a lot of our glam girls out there right now are going through the post show thing. So I think that um, a lot of the things that she has to say today will bring all of you a lot of value. So I am so excited to um, introduce Celeste turk Welcome. And I'm
1: so happy to be here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I am so excited to get into all of this. And yeah, I just, I'm, I've been looking forward to this.
0: Well, I have as well. And so um, I'm so excited that you're taking the time to do this. Um, can you start by telling our listeners kind of what inspired you um, I know I kind of said your bio, but what, mm-hmm. what really sparked, um, you to, um, impact competitors' lives in this way?
1: So I've been through, uh, like five competitions in one year, then six total, and I am not a stranger to the post-show blues. And I'm definitely not a stranger to having an unhealthy relationship with food and of course my body as well. Um, so a long time ago, like 2015, I did my first show, and after that show, I rebounded again, like 30 pounds in three weeks. It was terrible, and I blamed it all on competing. I was like, "This sport causes disorders. This sport sucks. <laughs> I'm so I like literally uh-huh. just placed all the blame on it," um, which. Then I took a little bit of a hiatus really from the sport. I was like, I'm never competing again. And I just focused on my own personal needs. So I was like, okay, well, what would it be like to not constantly be following a strict diet or um, always like in the gym, focusing on certain things? Because I had been really into fitness before deciding to compete. And um, I would say that my unhealthy relationship with food actually started way, way before I decided to compete. And competing was more of like a way for me to say, well, like, this is why I can't eat this but this is why I can't be this way um yeah yeah, which was revealed to me after the fact when I got really into personal development world and I was growing my business as a fitness coach and I just started becoming way more self-aware and I got immersed in the psychology behind the things that we do which actually inspired me to switch my major from dietetics to psychology because I was just so inspired by it and I knew that it was making such a massive impact in my life and that's really what I wanted to bring to others and then after about like a year and a half or so I had allowed myself to gain like total food freedom I really brought myself through my own process of self-love and of course finding what I really needed and connecting with my body and then I was like you know what I really want to do a competition again I don't hate my body I'm listening to my body I love what I'm doing. I'm, I'm living the lifestyle anyways, without it being about like having to look a certain way or be a certain way or achieve certain expectations and standards. I was like, I feel like I'm in a healthy place to try it again. I mean, I love this lifestyle. Why wouldn't I try it again? So I tried it again and I got <laughs> on a roll. I did like five shows. I loved yeah. it and um, just fell in love with the sport, you know, started the podcast, all that good stuff. And what happened was after my last my most recent show all of a sudden all these bad habits started coming back of like sneaking to get food feeling bad about how I looked um never feeling good enough wanting to eat and eat and eat and never stop also not wanting to eat wanting to work it off wanting to restrict all these habits that I had worked so hard and overcome in the past I was like why are they showing up and I realized I had gone on autopilot for so long and I was like okay but this doesn't mean I can't fix them and I I immediately got on top of it and I used the tools that I have and I worked on it and I was like oh my gosh like all this time my mission has been to help people build more than just a body and specifically women but I never had like a group of people that I was like I love them I want to help them like they really need this and then I realized like oh my gosh like all this time it's been bodybuilders who need help with building more than just a body and it just clicked and i started my first program and i started like changing my complete outlook on how i posted i had um achieved my degree at, well i was finishing up my degree at this point so everything was just aligning really perfectly and i wanted to kind of get away from the nutrition and the the fitness and i wanted to really focus on the inner work and that's really how it started i realized i i love these people like my podcast was a passion project. I had no intention of using it for business at all. And it just brought me like this group of people that I love so much and I want to see succeed. And I know that in terms of establishing real longevity in this sport, we have to end like the yo-yoing between shows. We have to end like the no goals or feeling like we have nothing left to look forward to after a show. We have to end like the focus always being on the physical work. And we have to begin prioritizing the inner work and developing a healthy mindset. And I believe that that's what allows competitors to have a more fulfilling journey.
0: Wow. Okay. So that was really, I mean, we have a lot to unwrap, I feel like. Um, so where, maybe where you should start is just kind of like some of the typical things that Maybe people out there don't realize that they are typical behaviors of competitors. Um, some kind of traps that we can fall into. I know you mentioned a couple of them, like, um, sneaking food, um, and doing, you know, eating in isolation, um, overeating until you know, you, you don't even. It's almost like an outer body experience. What are mm-hmm. um, what are some of the disorders that, kind of, and I know you um, we we just want to preface this by we're not doctors. Um, so, um, can you kind of dive into that just a little bit more so our listeners can kind of know some of the things that tend to pop up along the the way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times for competitors, let's say post-show, um, they get into that binge and purge and guilty about food and restricting the food and feeling like crap about themselves or wanting to jump back into a prep. Um, and all of that kind of manifests into these negative relationships with ourselves. Um, and also manifests from those things too. So what happens that I, well, at least what I notice a lot is most of the girls who reach out to me for help are experiencing many bouts of overeating or what they qualify as binging. Um, even if it's not necessarily meeting the qualification of the DSM five standards, which America qualifies their, uh, like diagnosis is off of, um, it's still what they would qualify it as. So to me, it's just as important and just as serious. Um, What usually happens is we get into this mode of, I finally can have what I want, or they get a taste of it and then they can't stop. And then where this is coming from, there's a lot of different places can be coming from, it can be coming from restriction, feelings of scarcity. It can be coming from um, actually not feeling like you're aligned with any sort of goal. So then any actions that you're taking, they have no place to, I guess, align with. So instead of being someone on prep, which is a huge deal is everyone has this identity of a competitor on prep that as soon as off season comes around, there's no new identity set, there's no new standard set. So it's very easy to fall into those patterns of eating differently, training differently, or maybe feeling differently about those two things in our life. Um, Now, one of the patterns I notice is when, when people do begin to overeat um, or get into those massive sessions, um, the desire to work it off comes in. And this is because we're conditioned to believe that that's okay. And that's what we need to do. I remember when I started, it was like, Oh, you can only have like one cheat meal a week. And, Um, So, or like cheat day. So, I would just gorge myself on food, thinking that that was normal, when it's not normal and it's not healthy and it's not okay, and it can cause a lot of other issues. So then, what happens is girls will overeat, 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 and then as soon as they realize what they've done, they're like, "Oh no! Now I need to go and do tons of extra cardio, restrict my food for tomorrow, change my macros around." And on the surface that sounds like a good good approach right like balance it out make it better make up for it but in reality it's causing this cycle of binge restrict feel guilty restrict some more and what people don't realize is and unfortunately it's promoted in the industry is that this disordered pattern of binging and purging is not and people don't realize like purging is not just vomiting so when i'm referring to purging i mean like you're doing extra cardio and you're forcing yourself to eat less that is a form of purging these people who do like fat i get passionate about this because it just like i can't believe it's promoted but like people who do like fasted days of no food for like three days after having like massive gorging sessions because they're cleaning their gut i just can't i can't get my head around it because It is so unhealthy for us and it continuously perpetuates disordered eating habits. So even though it's treated like normal, it's a form of purging and we have to be able to assure ourselves. So when this comes up, assure yourself that your body can utilize extra fuel and is going to benefit from it. And then remind yourself like food is a necessity. Being bloat free is not a necessity (laughs) Um, and food sustains you. But habits like these are not going to sustain you. So I guess if you want to kind of um, take me through some questions that maybe would help me to guide them through this process, I'd be happy to do that. Um, Or certain things that have come up in the past that you think, okay, like what can they do specifically? I'd be happy to give some of that insight.
0: Okay. So if we're talking just, I'm going to speak on my own personal experience, just for example. Um, So in the past, you know, I had coaches that, gave me like specific foods and I was locked into like specifically like you will eat green beans at this meal and, you know, like a chicken breast. And, um, it was like all other foods were off limits. And once I, um, came into coaching where it was more, um, I had options, even though I had a meal plan, um, you know, I had several different options for my protein or even just my vegetables or, um, fats and they just having like those different options to me gave me freedom of choice and it it helped me mentally to um, step away from the binge and restrict you know like either I'm following these specific magical foods or you know I'm just gonna go crazy like black and white. Um, mm-hmm. I know for me specifically I I do better with that structure of the meal plan, but I know that like some of my competitors, um, you know, they're, they're better with just having macros. And, um, as long as there is no foods that they're allergic to, you know, all foods are basically, you could have every day if it's something that you enjoy. Um, do you find that, um, what's the best technique that, um, that somebody can kind of work through, let's say, for example, they're in a contest prep and we probably both know and our listeners know that you have to be a little bit more careful about the types of foods that you're eating if you're you're leaning down for a show. What are some rituals or some tricks or tips that you can give our listeners to sort of try to mitigate the um, off-track you know, like binge sessions and things like that.
1: Mm, totally. So especially if you're on prep, like you said, it maybe is a little bit more um, strict,
0: right? Yeah. Yes.
1: So then we get those desires. Maybe we're scrolling on Instagram, seeing all this food or another girl posted about how she was able to eat so much more, blah, 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 blah. We start getting in our heads and, When this is happening, it's really important to understand why we're actually eating the food we're eating. So something that I have a lot of the girls I work with do is like have mealtime rituals. Whether you're in prep or you're in an improvement season, all the time, it's important to understand the decisions you're making around food. Um, What happens, like I said earlier with what happened with me, is like there's this autopilot mode we go on in prep because we're just following our plan, doing what we need to do when it needs to be done, we're disciplined, we're focused. And then if our focus gets dist- like taken away, we get distracted. How do we bring it back? Well, we have to think about the decision- decisions we're making. So what I like to do is literally ask myself or have girls ask themselves, like, what is the nutritional value of eating this meal? Because again, we go on a uh like autopilot mode so we're not always thinking about what we're eating we're just eating it to eat it when we actually ask ourselves about the nutritional value it gives us an opportunity to learn so maybe our coach put like beets on our plan pre-workout and we're like I hate beets I don't like them um and maybe you don't have another option which is very highly unlikely but let's just use this as an example. Um, so how can we make ourselves excited to eat the beets? Well, we have to think about the nutritional value. So maybe something like, you know, we get this amazing boost of niacin. So it's like a natural pre-workout, which is exactly what I need heading, you know, two weeks out. Maybe I've had some of my other things cut out, whatever. Um, But it stops you from going, I don't want my like sweet potato and chicken. And it makes you go, Wow, I'm really glad I get to eat this soup, potato and chicken. I actually have no desire for that chocolate lava cake I'm about to dive into because I've also evaluated the nutritional value of that, and it just doesn't align with my goals. And then that leads me to my next point: ask yourself about the goal value. Is what you're about to eat bringing you closer way closer to or away from your goals? Um, and then asking yourself questions like, What do I believe about the food I'm eating? Why am I eating it? All of these are so important to know because if you just go in blindly that's a habit you're going to consistently have after the show as well so Hmm. what Um. I like to think of this as too is like a barrier right and I think I mentioned this to you on a a previous phone call but it's like if you don't want to use your phone you turn it off okay Mm -hmm. but let's say you put it on silent, and then turn it off. So now if you turn it back on, it's also on silent. So there's another barrier. So I like to think of it as barriers, right? You put the phone in your pocket. Now there's three barriers. So so you have to take out your phone, you have to turn it on, and you have to take it off of silent in order to like maybe start using it the way you wanted to. So that's three different moments where you're really challenging the fact that you are taking your phone out when you said you didn't want to. Same thing goes with the food. Before you dive into whatever you're about to dive into, even if it's just a simple bite of something, pausing and asking yourself those questions makes you realize it's just not worth it. And what you want more, like is so much more important than what you want right now. And you just get realigned with your goals. So those are some of the things like to significantly, significantly address the actual moment before it happens.
0: I like that. And a key point that you bring up, and this is something that I talk about before the show with the athletes, even if there's like a pro card in the possibility range, we, we talk about the reverse diet and goals and, you know, options that we're going to move forward with after. So whether or not they re- achieve pro status, maybe we're reversing into a pro debut or, you know, um, we always have like a next step goal so that they are they are constantly like that was one of my my biggest problems when I first started competing is it was like you train and you work and you're like so amped up for this one day and then it's like what do I do after you know Mm -hmm. um so those next step goals I think um brings you know that's a really good point that you bring up so when we're talking about goals um What are some things that you can share with our listeners on how they can develop their goals and um, set like kind of some different standards maybe than what they have right now post-show?
1: Yeah, totally. And I want to acknowledge what you said earlier, too, about how you give girls options and also how you do consider these things before the show date. Is actually completed rather than being reactive after. That's super important. A a lot of the cause of why these things happen is because of restriction or feelings of scarcity or not having those goals. So I think that those are some really great ways that coaches can take responsibility or get ahead of it. But um, of course, you know, I don't believe that any diet or training plan is a substitute for you know, creating inner peace through the real deep mental work, which is why I think it's awesome that, you know, asking about the goals and focusing on them is so, so key. And one of the things that I like to ask myself, like, if I'm about to head into an improvement season, let's say, it's all about knowing, like, what does this improvement season version of myself need to do to continue feeling healthy and fulfilled in life after this show? Mm. When we ask ourselves questions like that, it makes us think because we're like, dang, like, yeah, this is a different version of me that's going to be required. And some people listening might be like, no, I'm like 100% all the time. I'm always like prep mode. And it's like you, you can be that way, but you still your focus might change if you're doing less cardio or you're doing you're spending less time in the gym or you get more freedom with your food. There's going to be new mental demands required of you to approach those new times, new moments in your life, new opportunities differently. So I think we have to be really prepared for that and have those standards. Um, So again, then setting standards for yourself. Um, It's important to have a plan. So I think talking to your coach about a plan, but let's say, you know, you can't afford a plan, which I don't know, I think we, we should always, always, always have the money to invest and spend on our health and our mindset. I really truly believe that like that, that should always be in our budget. I don't know
0: why it wouldn't be. I 100% agree. Yeah. I've always had a coach, even though I coach other people, it's like, I need to make sure that, you know, I have that accountability for myself too and truly walk the walk. I 100% agree.
1: Yeah. Every coach needs a coach. I, I, (laughs) I, I definitely believe that too. So having something like that is important. And then following up with that is, okay, like, understand why you're actually doing what you're doing. So when you're in a prep, going, okay, like, what are my deep why's some people say, I want to be a pro. Okay, but why do you want to be a pro? Well, uh, 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 and they don't know, like, nobody really knows why until they Go deeper and deeper. So, I'm going to share one of my favorite exercises. I I just love this so much. So, I'm not going to go into like the extreme detail, but I'll at least give like the basis of it so people can implement it. Okay. But if you could ask yourself, like, what are your core, so I like to call them core soul codes, but like, what are your main values in life? So, for some people, that's freedom. For some people, that's family. For some people, that's travel. Um, Other people, it's like uh, contribution. Um, let's say self-awareness, like there's all sorts of different values, things that you truly, truly value, like at your core, when you peel back all the layers of your identity, what's still left, it's oh. your values. Okay. So then what I like to do is, okay, once we identified those values... We have to see how those values then can dictate or align with the actions we're taking. So if we're in prep, how does that align with our value of freedom? How does it align with our value of family? How does it align with our family or our our, um, value of contribution? So maybe we just split it up like that. And then we can identify the deeper reason behind what we're doing. Why is it important to stay on my plan? Why is it actually important to go pro? Why is it actually important that I show up for myself and do what I said I would do? So uh, I, you know, I've had clients who say like one of their biggest identity or one of their biggest values is um, integrity. And so that's massively important both in the improvement season and in prep, but maybe for you, that's not one of your major values. So then you have to identify what actually matters to you. And then you can see how every action you take might align with those values or Maybe how it doesn't align with those values. And maybe you realize you need to be taking a different path, or maybe you need new standards for yourself. But that's how I like to then create the standards I'm going to have for myself, both in prep and in the improvement season. Um, and of course, it's important we don't like over justify our decisions um, because that's really easy to do. And our brains are like built to do that. <laughs> but essentially, like if we can be really real with ourselves and see, like, is this actually helping me to have more freedom is this actually helping me to you know spend create more of the time I want with my family or whatever your values might be
0: okay so can you tell us a little bit about your program your I know it's for anyone but it's primarily post-show um focused your four-week program just kind of how you utilize journaling and um without giving away too many of your secrets but just Some things that maybe just so that our listeners kind of know that that program is out there and how they could be additionally supported in conjunction, working with a coach, um, but kind of working with you on the, on the mental side and the um, on the core values and deeper wise and setting goals and goals and things like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I created this journal Well, okay, it has the longest name in the history of like program (laughs) names because I I don't know what to call it. Um, But essentially, it's like this food discovery and healing program um, where we really dig into your relationship with food and we gain an understanding as to why your relationship with food is the way it is and. find the areas that need improvement or find where there are gaps or where there are issues showing up repeatedly. And the reason I believe in journaling for especially food, and it's not like a food journal, like necessarily where you have to write down what you eat and how many calories it was like, no, this is not. No, it's not like that. It's more about understanding your decisions. I shared some of the questions earlier. So it's about really understanding your decisions behind the food you eat. um, And then but even before we get into mealtime rituals or a daily reflection, which is also part of the program, we have to understand our current choices. We have to understand why we're feeling guilty about food we're eating, which is normally because of an identity disconnect, which we can get into for sure. But um, feeling guilty about why they're eating, also identifying the foods that they think are not good and the foods that they think are good, um, because we tend to put labels on it. Like you said, your Labels almost like disappeared when you started to allow more food. And I totally believe that, you know, the best way to create more control, which is what most people crave is literally Mm -hmm. by allowing more freedom and knowledge of choice. But anyway, um, essentially the journal goes into all of these different aspects of our relationship with food. And then as the coach, I review it and I find the patterns based on my expertise and my knowledge. I can go, okay, I see why this is happening. Or I see why this is a habit or I see why this is a behavior. And they have access to me all the time, um, at least as of right now so that they can send me what's going on. And I can look it over every day, their mealtime ritual and their daily reflection. We can discuss it and make sure that things are good. And if I see anything like massively important to address right away, I will. Other times I wait and see if it continues. Um, And then we have two coaching calls and why this is important, I think to do in conjunction with other coaching is because I'm not telling you what to eat or how to eat. I'm telling you to consider like why you're eating the way you're eating. And then also helping you move through those things that are actually sabotaging your success with maybe your actual coaching plan. So digging into the things that are getting in the way of you capitalizing on what you're currently doing with your coach. So if you are finding yourself not eating, if you are finding yourself eating, overeating, if you are finding yourself constantly waking up in the middle of the night to go get food or um, hiding, like I said, to eat, you know, earlier, these are going to be the habits that help you to address those things. And my goal is always to leave them with this opportunity to continue to grow and learn as they progress on their own. So we have these coaching calls where we don't necessarily go into anything about the food journal it's more about what I saw and I give them an exercise I walk them through processes I take them through um, different practices or we have a conversation that allows for more discovery and deeper internal transformation so for example if someone's telling me like you know I've still been struggling with like waking up in the middle of the night and eating I might ask them like what that moment is like are they used in the journal? If they're not, because a lot of times it's very, um, it feels very out of body. It's about understanding like, what is that moment like when we go and do that? And then how can we create that in our normal life? And I'm not going to get into too much because that's like a really um, subjective and it depends on every single person, but it's important to get into why we're eating the way we're eating. So if I just gave people this journal, it would still be really effective, but to have the coaching on top of it, is what i believe truly creates that extra transformation where it's like i really get this now and it sticks and honestly i have a 100 percent success rate through the program so i'm really proud of that and i built it with competitors in mind these are compiled things of the things that helped me find freedom with food the things that helped me the things that i've actually learned throughout my studies like i said when i was looking into eating disorders and i was looking into the way that we think about ourselves negative self-affect positive self-affect identity all these things combine in this program to make sure people are getting there. So I know that's kind of long winded, but I hope that that gives a good, you know, viewpoint on what they can expect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think most of our listeners know that just like, um, you know, at glam Grow bikini, we believe in the unicorn prep and everyone is absolutely unique and they need an individualized approach and it's not a one size fits all. Um, cookie cutter type of thing and everything is context dependent. So it's this program I think is incredible because you are getting your individualized attention to their specific needs, um, and goals. So, um, yeah, I just, I think that that's so valuable. Um, so as far as, um, I was kind of reading through your blog and I, I came across, um, your refeed, um, blog and I thought that you had some really interesting just like kind of like bullet points and tips on how to navigate through a refeed um do you mind sharing any kind of knowledge that you um have in regards to refeeds um for our listeners
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, so refeeds are awesome because they're like given to us usually sometimes for a mental break or actual physical boost, as you know, and you could speak more to. Um, but having a refeed is also an opportunity for girls in their improvement season to feel like a free for all almost, um, which is obviously not conducive to the outcomes that the coach is looking for or wanting or that we as athletes want from it. So how do we actually keep a Refeed meal then from turning into a free-for-all because this is so common I actually have girls who are like afraid to have their refeed meals because of this habit and this pattern really so um some of the things that I like to take into consideration is we can't treat a refeed meal like different than any other meal so if we look at like breakfast like meal one meal two three four five six um those are no different than having like refeed. So it's almost just like you add refeed to the list in replacement of usually one of your post-workout meals. At least Mm -hmm. that's how, um, that's how most people I've heard do it. So, um, what I like to say is make sure you always are having your own meals throughout the day. Like don't try to hoard the calories or be like, well, because I'm going to have like a 1300 calorie burger islands I can't eat the rest of my meals all day like that defeats the purpose of the refeed it's supposed to bump you up in calories so being really realistic with yourself and also asking your coach to explain the purpose of it can help give you some peace of mind about like actually having it and enjoying it. The other thing that I have recently been implementing because I didn't have refeeds during prep um, at all. Actually I do get them in my improvement season though. And I would add it to a to-do list and literally check it off because then it signals to me that it's done. And it doesn't mean I'm going to go and have more later. I notice there's a big difference when I do this and don't do this. Um, and then always choosing exactly what you're going to have. Don't, Don't just go into it like I get a refeed. I'm just going to eat whatever I find. Be like, okay, I know I've been wanting this. I've been craving that. Or my coach said, these are some of my options. So this is exactly what I'm going to eat. And one other major thing that I think is super important to consider anytime you're having a refeed is ask yourself why you really want to keep eating because so often we don't actually feel hungry. We don't actually want to gorge ourselves on food. It's more about that feeling of, well, this is the only time I get it. I'm not gonna, I don't know if I'm gonna get another refeed next week. Um, What if I can't have another donut for you know, a year, (laughs) whatever it might be. And so we get in our head about those things and that's usually the real reason we wanna keep eating versus I wanna keep eating because I am hungry. In which case we should go and have one of our other meals that's already prepped and, you know, eating that meal slowly, listening to our body, not just being like, I'm going to have this donut because I've been craving it or I've been thinking about donuts, but instead going like, is this something I still want? Is this something that's going to benefit me? Really going back over the questions that I shared earlier, treating it like any other meal, it it should not be some like, how do I want to say it? It shouldn't be some special, like, oh my gosh, like this is like the most amazing thing in the world. It's the only time I get this. It's so rare. Mm-hmm. It should just be like, okay, another meal. It's just different than my usual ones.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, I I heard you res- reference earlier cheat meal. And I try, I used to have a coach that would say, we refer to it as a cheat meal. And for me, um, I've kind of re, you know, named it um refeed just Mm -hmm. so that it has more positive um connotation to it um because i felt like cheat first of all it's like um it just seems to me like just by that name it's just more of like a free-for-all and you kind of like center your mentality around cheat is a negative word um whereas Mm -hmm. refeed you're actually fueling your body um you know like most of the glam girls they get like a macro budget for the refeed and Um, you know, it's a bump in calories and carbohydrates so that they can recover. And, um, and then it's also like an opportunity to kind of have a little bit more wiggle room if they want to like get out socially, and, you know, sit down with their family and have a meal and enjoy it. Um, It just gives them a little bit more wiggle room. But um, as far as like, the the refeed part about it, I think like the tips that you shared just now are just incredible for um, kind of thinking about it like any other meal. I love that. Um, Thank you. it's just part of your program. Right. Um, and so let's talk about, um, if we can, I, I know that you're really good about like self-love and, um, that was another, um, list of items. It, I know that you have like a 18 point checklist of self-love. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have to go through all of those today, but can you, um, <laughs> can you kind of share with our listeners? Um, some things that they can do to promote self-love and self-care
1: absolutely I self-love like literally what started my entire journey I I think before most of my actions were fueled from self-love like I hate my body so I have to do this or I don't like that I am having relationships this way so I must be this way all these toxic toxic thought patterns that were then driving my actions which is uh, of course what actually is happening in our minds is when we're having thought patterns they're going to influence our actions so what in terms of self-love and self-loathing something that I love to do and you're going to see this in my book by the way um and I, I appreciate you together. ordering it yeah, that's so awesome <laughs> Amazon
0: hasn't delivered it yet but it <laughs> should <Yes. laughs>
1: Oh, I'm so excited. Well, okay, so this is actually going to be in the book. So um, I'm happy to share it here as well. So it's something I like to call like self-love versus self-loathe. Super easy exercise. Anyone can do it anytime. This is why I love it. And I'm happy to share. What you like need to do is you could do it on paper. You could do it in your head. I like to do it on paper first and then reference it later to almost make it a habit. Um, Write down the recurring thoughts in your mind on one side of the paper, labeled self-loathe, that are not self-serving. So, things like, um, I hate my body so much, so I have to go to the gym, and I have to prep all my meals, and I hate prepping all my meals, because it takes so much time, but if I don't do it, then I'm going to get really fat, and I don't want to be fat, because I'm supposed to be this blah, 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 blah blah. It, It sounds horrible, it's like the worst feeling ever, but we all have run into those thoughts, or they come up more frequently for some than others. So write them all that down on paper, all those things that come up repeatedly, oh, my body looks terrible, or oh, my gosh, I can never get it right. I keep messing up my plan, or um, I just don't like that everything is so hard for me. And literally, you write it all down. And then on the column next to it titled self love, you're just going to write down replacement thoughts. So these are to create new thought patterns in our mind. Again, this is a conscious consistent daily effort it's not one of those things which is like poof and it's taken care of it's done we have to be proactive and we have to be um getting ahead of our thoughts before they really get ahead of us so on the other side of the paper you write down a thought pattern that could replace that so If you're constantly saying, I hate my body, I hate my body, um, instead, maybe you replace that with, wow, I am so happy and grateful for my body and the way that it allows me to move and the way that I love and fulfill this lifestyle that I so enjoy and I can carry all my groceries in one trip, even though... um, it was hard for me before and I love that my stomach has helped me to digest all these nourishing foods and I have the ability to and it just feels so much better and we can continue a thought pattern like that thank you I'm glad that you do I I think that was one of the honestly the best things I ever did for myself that and like actually looking in the mirror like having a deep soul connection like lock eyes with yourself in the mirror and like like feel yourself like you are there you are this soul having a physical human experience and we create all the pressure we put on ourselves so that's another thing just look at yourself in the mirror and acknowledge like who you really are beyond like the physical body and I I think it's just very eye-opening when we do that
0: yeah I think it's super common when people are in prep just like that fear and anxiety of I'm not going to be ready or I'm not losing weight fast enough. And, um, I had Whitney Jones, um, fitness Olympia, miss fitness Olympia on here. And she just really, I mean, I've always felt this way, but I mean, hearing her talk about her, her neck injury and how she was almost, you know, in a, a state where she basically couldn't move and went from that to winning the Olympia. I just, she was like, I get to train today, you know, and she has these countdowns and it's like, I get to wake up and like eat this food and train my body. And, um, it just gives you that Mm -hmm. different perspective. Like this is not, not, not everyone can do what we do. And it's so important to, um, so do you, do you do these things like on a daily basis so that you're like kind of centering your, your day around gratitude and like, what you get to do, or is it kind of how often do you do that? I guess I would would be the um, question.
1: That exercise, I it's almost automatic for me now. But in the beginning, I did it at least once a week, um, just to make sure I was on top of it. For the most part, I do it once and then refer to it. Now, like I said, it's automatic. I think the more that we spend time like implementing these things the more self-aware we become throughout the day and the more easy it is for us to just shift these thoughts immediately. Uh, But I do have a daily ritual and I used to be really, really strict about it. And I would have like very specific things, which I think gave me a good base, which was um, I started with gratitude and then I went into um, identity work. So things like I am an influential coach who makes a difference in people's lives. I am someone who people are excited to work with. I am such an awesome friend and person, and I show up and I'm present for people, like literally just writing down the things that I wanted to become. Um, I remember even writing down so many times I'm a best selling author. I'm a best selling uh-huh. author. But, yeah. And so I just like, again, it goes back to the thoughts create our actions. If we're constantly, you know, great, grateful and we're excited about the person we are, we're going to be more likely to align our actions with becoming that version of us. Um, And then I would do future gratitudes too. So like, I'm so happy and grateful to be um, stepping on this national stage and getting first call outs, or I'm so happy and grateful that I had the opportunity to um, present myself in front of an audience of over a hundred people and share my mission of building more than just a body. Like I literally created uh, future great gratitude so like these are the things that i will write down eventually um, as my truths um, but for now they're futures thank you and then um i'd finish it up with like goals you know other little things i was working on thinking about um non-negotiables for the day and then after a while I was like dang i just keep forcing myself to do this daily ritual which helped me so much by the way don't get me wrong I love it I think it's awesome and I would focus on you know, different areas of life some days than others, like maybe one day it's like more financial based, Another day might have been more contribution based, you know, going back to the values. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, then one day, I was just so I felt like it was just repetitive, like, oh, it's draining. And I think there's something really important for people to hear is like, don't force yourself to do a daily ritual, just because like, so and so from such and such does it or promoted it or was in this book about what like the most amazing people in the world do. Because I mean. Who even defines that anyway? And then I just allowed myself to tap into like, what do I really, really need to do every day to feel better? And that came down to like, every day I write down three things I love about myself. I still do gratitudes, but sometimes I'll just do fun questions where I ask myself and raise myself awareness or I'll look up journaling prompts or I'll create some. And um, you just have to find something that's going to get you in that positive space, but always have some sort of ritual you can go back on, which, you know, like gratitude and future gratitude is really good for that
0: so do you have just a, a book like a journal like next to your bedside or like what's your actual technique that you use to write those things down daily
1: um so I used to do it as soon as I woke up now um, I'm really not so strict about it so usually I do it when I'm feeling like I need a break or I'm ready to realign or I'm about to get on a call. Like before this, I did all my journaling because it just gets me in the right headspace and I can journal about this ahead of time. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I usually like to go outside and do it. And I definitely have a journal. I never, ever have done it in my phone unless I've forgotten my journal and then I rewrite it down in my journal later. (laughs) Um, But I like to I like to do it, you know, no attachment to any sort of devices no phone around no TV on usually outside or I can listen to the birds or I'm comfortable um, no pressure on myself to do it a certain time and right now my goal has been like the last really eight months is to fill up one page just one page and some days I want to write more and so I will some days I don't want to fill up that page but it's a goal and commitment to myself to do it so I I do and um, that that's just like my current my current routine
0: with it okay so if you don't mind sharing when you became a best-selling author like your age and just I mean I I think it's incredibly inspiring that you like wrote those affirmations down and then you brought this to fruition I mean how how did the whole book writing process come about what inspired you to to um do that
1: oh my gosh um well, it was like building my business, and it was really after that whole situation with um, competition prep coming to an end, rebounding, getting into personal development, and I was just implementing tools, and I actually, okay, I'll share something. I invested $18,000 in a mindset mentor, <laughs> and oh, like wow. that was more money than I had in my bank account. I had $9,000 in my bank account, and I committed to an $18,000 program because I knew I needed it. And I don't regret the decision at all. I learned so, so much, but that was one of the things that was pivotal in my journey is finally taking that step to go, this is really important. And I remember as I, and I had invested in business mentors and things like that before. Um, But there were so many different parts of personal development that went into me feeling amazing and really believing in myself and believing that I can accomplish anything. And I never had any any thoughts about my age, like, I never thought that at, like, I don't even remember how, I was, like, 2016, I honestly don't even remember how old I was, was I 18, maybe I was 18 or 19 when this happened, yeah, and I wrote that book in three weeks, um, and, It was literally like, I was questioned about it. So similar to my podcast, by the way, I was questioned about it. Like, how does this appeal to your ideal market? Don't you want to help people with their fitness? Shouldn't you write a book about nutrition and working out? And I was like, this is not what I'm feeling called to do. Like, I want to help people truly like feel amazing and starting from inside of themselves and knowing that there is no bandaid. And it was inspired because I had severe depression. I had severe anxiety. I had suicidal ideations and I'd overcome all of that. And, um, then finding personal development allowed me to continue to see my growth. And I wanted to share literally, I put some of my best stuff in that book because I just sat down. I was actually at one of my jobs, not going to lie, um, <laughs> on their computer. <laughs> I was just like, I was like writing it all out, writing it all out. And, um, And I just wrote everything that helped me so much and everything that I wanted other people to have, because I truly believe that the more that we give to others, the more that we allow others to improve their life, then the more, you know, the entire world is going to change. And one of the things that I believe in is (laughs) the more we love ourselves, then the more love that we radiate out into others. And that's the more love we receive. So I never believe in holding anything back. And I wanted to give people um, a lot of the most powerful lessons and development tools and things other mentors have taught me, but also the things that really helped me to recover through a lot of the most challenging times of my life on my own. And I, like I said, wrote in three weeks. I knew how to do the process, um, because of like business mentors I've had. And, um, I decided, okay, like I'm not going to sit on it. Um, it's ready. And I just, I mean literally that whole book just came to me like all the ideas like the whole entire thing like I felt like I was just channeling it, it
0: was a crazy experience that's awesome well thank you unfortunately we're coming towards the end of this interview but I want to kind of do like a little bit of a like rapid fire and I don't know how rapid this will be but um just some of the I'll be quick <laughs> some of the some of the athletes um they had sent some questions that they wanted me to ask you so The first question is um, How do you handle the long game in the improvement season, particularly in regards to eating correctly?
1: Okay, so one, have, have standards for yourself and make sure you're communicating those to your coach as well so you're on the same page. Two, understand that your goals are allowed to be different now than they were in prep. Um, and you have to have a new identity for that and you can grieve the process or the version of you that was prep version and then three it's going to go by so fast so seriously take the time to recognize all the amazing things about this improvement season the pros and cons and also the pros and cons of if you were to start a prep right away so that's like my rapid
0: fire version (laughs) (laughs) i liked it um okay so the next one is if someone that has had eating disorders, um, and you feel, they feel like what, uh, wait, hang on. Okay. So as someone that has had eating disorders, what do you do when those are triggered during prep? Sorry about that. I kind of butchered that question.
1: No, all good. Um, wow. So that's triggered during prep. I think it's important to communicate that to your coach, see if there's something you guys can do about it. Um, but of course have a mental support team like seriously don't don't just invest in physical coaches invest in the mindset invest in the the deeper work like it's important to do and so my, my advice would be to get ahead of it before again it gets ahead of you and if they get triggered go back to those questions get present with yourself realign with your values and your goals and um know that you're not your eating disorder. You are not any sort of disorder eating. You are nothing but this amazing, amazing soul choosing everything you're choosing. And you have the power to also choose not to let that control you.
0: That's so, so well put. Okay. (laughs) Um, Here's another one. Um, How do you make yourself truly believe the affirmations you speak to really know that it's true self-love and worth? So how do you truly believe those? um oh my I gosh I mentioned it before but like how that's do you... an
1: amazing question <laughs> I love that I used to question that so much like not, this is all so um dumb I just like put it on paper how am I supposed to believe this for some people you instantly start believing it for others it takes time so what I like to do and what's or for me and other girls in the past is build self-efficacy with small goals so write down something that you, you believe about, you want to believe about yourself, but maybe is smaller. So instead of like, I love my body unconditionally, it's more like, I love the way that I look in a crop top deep in my improvement season. And then you wear a crop top and you practice that and you get used to it, even if it's just around your house. So you're building self-efficacy. So over time, you start to believe those things. And then, um, of course, if you find that You don't actually believe what you're writing down. It's so important to get into the resistance. Where is that resistance really coming from? Again, that's where having a coach is really important. But is it from past experiences? Is it from um, beliefs that came from others or um, things that have happened before? Do you not believe it because you've never done it before? Why is that? Like We have to dig into where the resistance to actually believing that is coming from.
0: Okay. All right. Um, here's the next one. How do you stop the habits with poor food choices and binges in the moment when historically, even though that even though you are knowing what you are doing isn't beneficial and you tell yourself to stop, but you still do it anyway?
1: Mm-hmm. So I like to call that like the no binge diet, like where we literally tell ourselves like, I'm no, don't binge, don't binge, don't binge. And then we create so much like angst to then want to go and binge and so a lot of times that perpetuates that pattern because we're telling ourselves not to do the thing that we know we shouldn't do when really if we Our instead of firm yes it can't exactly. differentiate
0: it doesn't know that yes. don't it just hears the binge <laughs> yeah.
1: that's right yeah. exactly so it's better to focus on I nourish my body I take care of my body I choose proper fuel for my body and if you're in that moment like you're literally like you maybe you're already like um like a lot of food deep it's it's okay to like like know that you did that but as soon as you become self-aware as soon as you become aware of what you've done that's when you have that moment where you can choose to change it or to continue it and that honestly what I believe comes down to that consistent conscious effort every day to improving that relationship with food it's not something where you could just go I'm not gonna binge and then you binge and you're like dang it how did that happen? It's more like, okay, well, did you did you implement questions before you ate? Did you think about the foods you were eating before? Had you eaten before? Like there's so many factors, so it's important to become super self-aware before that moment, during that moment is harder, so at least after the
0: moment. Okay. And this last question, it's I mean, we kind of have talked about this, but I'll just kind of let you take it if you have anything to add on this. Um How do you really get over losing the peak week physique and being okay with feeling soft?
1: Mm. Um, So identify what your body does for you and has done for you. Um, It's hard to see your body change going into an improvement season and going out of a prep, especially because we were so used to seeing new lines every day and seeing like veins, seeing just seeing ourselves get tighter and smaller so when you start to see that fade it's important to ask yourself like what is the actual benefit to this fading away like why is it important for this to happen because we all know it's not sustainable but why is it not sustainable like why do you actually need to see this go and then making peace with it comes from again understanding like what does your body actually do for you beyond surface level and then asking yourself, where are these beliefs about my body coming from? Why is it so bad if my abs don't show as much or my waist is like two inches bigger? Like, why is that so bad? What, who am I comparing myself to or what standards do I need to start setting for myself? or What new beliefs do I have to have about myself to be comfortable with this? And last thing I'm going to add is. Um, remind yourself that if you're doing everything you need to do, like if you're taking the action and you're implementing your plan and you are still working out and you're doing what needs to be done. And even if you've gone off a little bit, like give yourself some grace and give yourself credit, like know that your lines might be disappearing, but that doesn't make you any less of a person or any less of an athlete. You are still committed. You're still driven. You are now in a different phase of your life. And that is good thing. That is okay. So Remind yourself like how committed and dedicated you are, despite the fact that maybe the physical body is no longer representing um a certain look
0: you were going for. I love that. I think that's Thank a you. a great place to end. I, I feel like you summed that up really, really well. And I so appreciate your time. Um and I'm sure our listeners are going to want to know how to get a hold of you and how to, um, seek out this program. Um, because I think a lot of people can relate to it, um, that are living the prep life. So, um, if we wanted to find you or thank you for your time on this episode, um, where can our listeners do that?
1: I really appreciate everything as well. I thought the questions were amazing and I've loved chatting with you and I hope to connect with a lot of the listeners. So if you are listening, you can add me on Instagram or follow me there um, at celestial underscore fit. And I actually post a lot of stuff on psychology and inner work there too. So uh, there's not a shortage of it. And then If you want to get in touch with me, you can always DM me there. I check all my DMs. Um, There's also an email button. So if you want to email me saying you're looking for support, that's fine. And then the last place you could go is www.celestial.fit. There's a bunch of testimonials there, too, from other competitors. So you can kind of see if it might be a good fit for you or what we could do. And just feel free to reach out. Let me know what's going on. It's important that we are a good fit to work together and that I believe I can help you. So um, we are going to have a conversation before we decide to move forward.
0: That's excellent. All right. Well, I will be sure to have all of that in the show notes. And um, this is episode 51 of the Prep Life podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Prep Life Podcast or at Glam Girl Bikini. And this is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Inger, signing off.